0: Lovely weather we've been having, is it not? (laughs) The trouble with heat pumps, they don't always give you good heat. (laughs) But uh, I got accused of running out of propane. No, we have propane. It's just our heating system. (laughs) But uh, it's comfortable now. It wasn't so comfortable earlier. Uh, I'm going to talk to us a little different, jump out of the book of Ruth this morning, uh, and talk to you kind of about 2017. Uh, and here we are. I'm so grateful for debit cards, so I don't write so many checks anymore. So I don't have to write 2016, then scratch through it initially and put 17. <laughs> so here we are, 2017, and the Lord has not called us home as of yet, or he hasn't raptured his church. Who would have thought we'd get to 2017? 2017. As a young man, the church I attended, they put a lot of emphasis upon the rapture of the church. You could expect the rapture any moment, and we should live our lives with that reality. Chuck Smith would do New Year's sermons saying this could be the year Jesus calls his church home. And indeed, 2017 could be that year, but what I want you to consider is what are your priorities this year? What are your goals? I don't believe in new year resolutions, they only last a short while and I break them, But. Uh, What's what's driving you this year? What makes you get out of bed this year? And in considering our priorities, I want you to ask yourself, are you promoting the kingdom of God? Or have you allowed your own desires to now be your god with a little g and that can slip up on us real easy that can that can overcome us where we all of a sudden are pl- making our own plans and leaving the lord out of them but will we stand here next year at this time hoping and wishing we had done more for our lord and savior and I would challenge you, don't allow carnal thinking to dictate life's behavior in your life as a believer. And you've all heard this, and it, it, it's a well-known saying, but I like it. <clears throat> Only one life to live and soon will be passed. Only done what's done for Christ will last. And that is a great truth. That's a great truth. But let me read this morning a section from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and that's in Matthew chapter 6. And we'll just read uh, three verses there, but turn with me to Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21. Uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount has been considered the pearls to live by, how to construct your life as a believer and how to live life. But Matthew 6:19 through21, "Do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth, where moth, rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." Now, most of us, self-included, are richer or more wealthier right now than we have ever been in our lives. Most of us. And now that forces us to consider, what drives me? What motivates me? What goals do I have for this coming year? And here we hear Jesus proclaim to his disciples how to live and he starts with a stern rebuke here in verse 19 concerning riches and treasures do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth that's not a suggestion that's a command plain and simple by our lord to us his people now, Jesus isn't trying to forbid us from having the good life. Contrary, Jesus loves us so completely, so thoroughly to call us into everlasting treasures or riches in the life to come. Jesus wants for our eternal souls, our inner being, he wants us to prosper Eternally. Just, you know, that's really a, a hard concept sometimes to get a grip on. But our hearts, the very heart that he gives us, dictate how we live. Our hearts should lead us to a life pleasing to God because God has changed our heart. He's given us a new life to live. And I try to tell anybody that'll listen to me, keep your heart pure. And if you keep your heart pure, living a life pleasing to God, living out the scriptures becomes real easy. All you got to do is have a heart change. Settle in your heart. That you will serve the Lord. The things that pull me into servitude of Christ is really my own desire. So we pray, change my heart, change my desires, Lord. The Spirit of God works on us. He sanctifies us, cleanses us for the purpose of doing good works for his kingdom. And if our desires are for more treasures which can be stolen by thieves or rust can destroy them and consume them, uh, the corroding process of rust, if downturns in the economy or thieves can steal my treasures, then our treasures are misplaced. If you view politics or a change in elected officials as a means for more riches, your riches are misplaced. The simple exhortation by Jesus, do not lay up treasures on earth. Don't do it. Now, does Jesus want us to live in poverty? No but he wants our heart and our soul to be his eternally. Jesus also said, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? Now, most of us don't have a desire to gain the whole world. We just want our little corner. You know, we just want our little farm. We just want our nice home, whatever. So most of us aren't desiring to gain the whole world but uh, we just want our little section <clears throat> a few years ago not a whole lot of years maybe 2 or 3 years ago i had a young man tell me his life and goal was to have a six figure salary that was his life his goal Just make a little more money than he was making present tense. And uh, he has achieved that goal. Is he content? No. And maybe you've noticed this. Maybe you haven't. But as your wealth increases, as your desires increase, our goals also increase. I can remember years ago... Right out of high school, I was working and trying to go to school and all this, and I figured if I could clear a hundred dollars a week, I'd be in Fat City. Yeah, that was my goal—hundred bucks a week, man. I'm there if I can make a hundred bucks a week. But you know, that that goes away as we get more, we want more. But Paul latched onto the key of life. Knowing that God is in control. And Paul declared, I have learned to be content in poverty or in riches. He fully trusted God for his well being and his future. And God goes beyond that, though. He promises us a rewarding everlasting. Consider that. And consider the world puts so much emphasis on retiring with a good income. And God says, I'll give you more than that. I'll give you a good hereafter. I'll give you a good forever. And we're allowed to store up treasures forever. Let that bounce around in your little noodle for a while, (laughs) you know, forever. The Holy Spirit trying to expand our thought process wants us to consider our goals, quit thinking so much about the here and now, and consider eternity. Just think on it. James, the half-brother of Jesus, has, has a great word of wisdom in his little epistle. And let me read that to you. James 2, 14 through 26. You may want to turn there. And James will talk about things that really matter. And he says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but do not give them the things which are needy for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith. And I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Do you really want to know that? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered? Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without faith, <clears throat> for the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. James just got down to the nitty gritty. Verse 17 there. Faith without the evidence of good works is dead faith. Verse 18, to show or demonstrate your faith without good works, you can't do it. That's how we show our faith is through good works. James declares, I will show you my faith by my good works. James is challenging believers to demonstrate good works as evidence of their faith. There's a tendency by some who are caught up into what I call mental uh, faith, to proclaim faith as simply believing in God. That is why biblical believing is different than what we would consider simply believing. It's trusting in. It is relying upon God. It's much more than mental concurring or agreement. James' example is verse 19. You say you believe there is one God? You do well. And with a touch of sarcasm, James then says, he finishes that thought. He said, even demons believe and tremble. The demons tremble. They're afraid of the very presence of Christ. They're believers. No good works possibility for these believing Demons, they believe, they know God exists, but they don't have the possibility of good works because that day has passed for them when they align themselves with the devil. Demons do not believe as Christians believe, who trust and rely upon God. There's a difference in the way we believe. The demons do not have any trouble, no problem in realizing the truth and power of God. That's why they tremble. They know God is real. And part of that fear, part of their trembling, comes from knowing their end. They know what their end will bring about. Verse 20, then comes the ultimate question by the Holy Spirit, spoken through James. Do you want to know, oh foolish man, do you really want to know what faith in Christ is all about? It's the ultimate question for any Christian in their service to the living God. Faith without works is not Profitable towards God. It's that simple. Faith without works is vanity, and that's a bad thing, right? But the Holy Spirit, He doesn't leave us hanging. He does. He doesn't dodge the truth. He comes straight out and says, through James, the half brother of Jesus, and James looks each of us right in the eye. And he says, faith without works is dead. What's dead? Dead. <laughs> you know, it's simple. It's dead. No life. And James, being familiar with Jesus, he tells us how to have profitable faith. James knows what he's talking about because before Jesus went to the cross and was resurrected. James was not a believer. He did not believe. He grew up with Jesus, and he didn't believe he was God. He grew up with him. Because of his hard heart, he couldn't accept that his brother was God. And James, he declares... Do good works demonstrate a live faith to Jesus? So what are good works of faith? Good question. Good works are putting aside myself and helping others. That's what good works are. Preferably helping those of the body of Christ, but not necessarily limited to the body of Christ. Doing good works can be something as simple as giving a cup of water in the name of Jesus. You can't get much more basic than that. After Hurricane Katrina... Some of us loaded up a van and took down supplies to the coast of Mississippi. There was a Calvary Distribution Center down there, and we in our van, we had a generator, and we had cans of gas, and we had baby diapers, and we had many, many bottles of water. And while we were down there, after we had dropped off our supplies to this devastated area, we wanted to take a look at what the beach in the coastal area looked like. And it looked like a war zone. It looked looked like Aleppo in Syria. As we're touring the area and, and all the debris and everything, a little old lady approached our van and wanted something to eat. We had just dropped off everything we had except water. That's all we had. We had one case of water in the van. And all I could offer her was a bottle of water. Well, she took it, and she thanked me. But that lady's request for something to eat caused us to return to the area a couple of weeks later with more supplies. And then we took a third trip down to New Orleans. New Orleans had not suffered as much wind damages, they had floods. And we were in the neighborhoods where people were finally being allowed to return to their homes to check out the damage and retrieve some precious items, you know, like photo albums and that kind of thing. And we would see trailers and we would see rented trucks and pickup trucks backing up to all these houses and they were wanting to retrieve some of their uh, precious things, and they would come out of those houses. The only thing they could retrieve was held in their hands, and here they'd brought trucks to retrieve stuff. The water damage was so complete, there would be two to three feet of mud in every home. And everybody... When they saw you, they wanted to take you and show you their home. And you knew what it was going to look like before you went in. It's going to be covered with mud. It's going to have mold clear to the ceilings and uh, who knows what else inside of their homes. And we would pray with these people, and all we had was water. We had a bottle of water to offer them. And almost every person would let us pray with them and would take a bottle of water from us. I only remember one man who said to us, I prefer you didn't pray. And we prayed with basically dozens and dozens of people. One guy didn't want us to pray. But by this third trip down, Red Cross had got in there and they were in full swing along with FEMA And they were serving hot meals and giving people a place to stay. But at one of these distribution centers, it was at a Walmart parking lot. And victims of the flood would push shopping carts through the aisles of these donated goods and were able to take things that they needed, like... uh, uh, soap and razors and this kind of thing. But I'd never seen the gospel so readily accepted as I saw in that Walmart parking lot. We went down as Billy Graham ministers or chaplains, and we wore a blue shirt. Uh, Billy Graham wanted their... (laughs) chaplains wear blue shirt and these blue shirts just wearing a blue shirt opened more doors than you can imagine and people sought us out to pray they wanted us to pray for them and to give them words of comfort and the sad stories you would hear were were tragic to say the least but I'm there in this Walmart parking lot (laughs) And I'm talking with different people. And I'm talking to this lady as she's pushing her cart through the aisles. And I realized she didn't know the Lord as a Savior. So we stopped right there with this cart. And we prayed that she would receive Jesus as her Savior. And she did. And about 10 minutes later, I'm over in an area having a uh, refreshment of some sorts and this lady brings her husband to me she said would you pray the prayer you prayed with me with my husband sure I'll pray so doing good works can be so very simple but so very rewarding I'll never forget that lady and then her bringing her husband there And oftentimes, doing good works is simply an act of love and kindness, and you're having to go out of your way a little bit to do that good work. Now, why do I say all that? We're a church. We're supposed to be about doing good works. We're a body of believers, a body of Christians, and we need to be about doing good works, being about ministering in the name of Jesus and in the way and method that Jesus would minister. Therefore, next Saturday, you knew ahead had a point, we're going to have a ministry meeting. We're, we're kind of putting aside our men's breakfast thing for a while and we're going to have a ministry meeting. And we're going to go through the different things that we want to do as a fellowship. We're going to come after breakfast, 9 o'clock, and we're going to break up before noon. So no meals are going to be served here Saturday. And we're going to explore the opportunities that we have as a body of believers for doing good work. Men and women, children, this is a wide-open meeting. We all wanna be about doing good works. And if you can't make it, I understand. You know, this short notice, there's plans already made and so forth. But we also have started here at Calvary a benevolent fund to meet the needs around us as the needs come up. So let me challenge you. Donate to the Benevolent Fund a gift that is above your regular giving. Make it a gift. Make it a gift unto the Lord. Let it be a good work in your life. About a about a month ago, we give out some Chick-fil-A gift cards. And... The instructions were: find somebody that's either a policeman or in law enforcement or something like that, and give them this ten-dollar gift card to Chick-fil-A as a gift from our church to the law enforcement. And as you know, law enforcement is is being attacked by criminals. They're being executed in their squad cars and everything else. And I felt it was important that we as a church support our police department or a sheriff department or a fireman or whatever, somebody that puts their life on the line for our sake. By doing this, we let our children also get involved. Our kids get to also give out gift cards. And we'll probably do this again. Just give out a little thank you to someone that serves us. And I think that's being obedient to the Lord by doing this. It even gets out there where we're behaving like our Lord. So, do works, do good works and make yourself a friend like Abraham did. Abraham through his good works of faith was honored, was blessed to be called the friend of God. We have that same opportunity. May we honor our friend and our God, the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, we want to be about you and your kingdom. We don't want to be found making excuses not to be doing good works. And they don't have to be earth-moving good works. Just simple acts of kindness. We're all capable of doing, Lord. So may our church have a reputation. May we become known for doing good works for you and your kingdom. So Lord, help us. We pray that you would lead us into good works. Lord, we can get so busy sometimes that we blow right past the opportunity to do good works. Grab our attention. Show us that opportunity and let us take advantage of that opportunity to do good works for you, Lord. Let us show our faith by doing these good works. Help us to see them. We know you will give us those opportunities and just help us to take advantage of them. And we pray and ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.